From Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York, I'm Amber Smith. This is HealthLink on Air. A research team from Upstate Medical University has published a paper about another potential life-threatening complication from vaping. And here to talk about it are fourth-year medical students Michelle Gorbanasov and Kia MacArthur. Welcome to HealthLink on Air, both of you. Thank you very much. Hi. Thank you for having us. <laughs> now, your work brings out another potential life-threatening complication from vaping, but let's remind listeners of what they may have already heard about. We've, we've had several guests on HealthLink on Air who've mm-hmm. talked about vaping-associated lung injury, mm-hmm. um, where people have died or mm-hmm. suffered severe damage from mm-hmm. electronic cigarettes. So um, let's start with, can I have you describe sort of, are vaping and e-cigarettes the same? Um, they can be, but I think the big thing is that there's kind of all different types of Mm e-cigarettes and vapes, not just kind of what you can put into them, but how they look as well. And how they work. And how they work. Yes. Okay. So I think usually there's actually more terms than just e-cigarettes and vaping that people use, uh, to describe them. Um, but I wouldn't say they're... There, you can, I think, interchangeably use e-cigarettes and vaping, or people usually do that colloquially. So what's harmful about them? I think the main thing is we really don't know what's going into these electronic cigarettes or vaping devices. There's very little regulation as to what people or companies are putting in these products. And there's also a larger, I would say, compared to cigarettes, like black market buying people, buying devices off the street, buying, sharing with their friends, not knowing mm-hmm. what their friends are using. Yep. Um, so there's just very little regulation. It's very mm-hmm. hard to kind of pinpoint what is going into these products. Mm-hmm. And you can put not just nicotine into them. People use uh, kind of THC and cannabis that they put into it, mm-hmm. which again is very different state by state in terms of regulation and where mm-hmm. you get it from. So that kind of adds to the question of what really is in it and how will it affect your health in the long term? Mm-hmm. And so this vaping-associated lung injury that I mentioned, mm-hmm. we're still trying to figure out really what causes that, right? I mean, we know it has something to do with vaping, but mm-hmm. we don't know precisely what it is, right? right? right. So um, that's sort of as background, because your team had a paper published in the journal Pediatrics, mm-hmm. um, and it's different than the right. vaping stuff we've mm-hmm. read about. So can you tell us about it? Sure. So, Kia? Yeah. So our case started, we had a 15-year-old female, and she came into the upstate emergency department from an outside hospital, came with very, what we call, like, nonspecific symptoms, cough, fever, not feeling well, some abdominal pain, some vomiting, some diarrhea for a few weeks prior to her coming in. But the thing, when she came in, her parents said that she was panting. She just looks like she couldn't breathe. And it was kind of like, what's going on here? Kind of like very nonspecific. This is a viral infection. Is it influenza? Is it something nonspecific? She was told at home that at her primary care doctor, she might've had like food poisoning or gastroenteritis. So it was kind of like very severe presentation, kind of vague symptoms, really don't really know what's going on. Um, she did have some blood work done at an outside hospital that grew this bacteria that we wrote our case report about the Fusobacterium necrophorum, I believe is how Mm -hmm. we pronounce it. Um, But upon 
getting a social history from the patient, we found that she began, began vaping about nine months prior um, and pretty consistent use from what we were able to gather from her multiple times a day. Um, she denies any use of very mar marijuana products with the vape, strictly nicotine, and we did end up sending the uh, vaping device to the health department and they were able to confirm that it was strictly nicotine oh. in the vape. But there were different flavors of the vaping uh, nicotine products that she was using and I think that's also one of the things in the, um, like, research is is it these additional flavors that could be causing the um, complications as well mm -hmm. so yeah. this busobacterium yeah. necroform <laughs> yeah. that you mentioned did, did that ha give you any clues as that yeah. this was like more than the usual mm -hmm. yeah so the interesting part is there's a there are studies out there that a lot of these patients that come in they actually present with very severe like um kind of airway injury and you don't actually have a bacteria mm -hmm that is affecting them. So that's that's kind mm -hmm. of what makes our study a little bit different is that we did have a bacteria, but it's not really a bacteria you should be getting pneumonia from in mm -hmm. a 15-year-old. Hmm. Um, so that's this is what makes it different. Um, and the interesting part, and I think Kia can mm -hmm. speak more to it as well, is that this bacteria is associated with um, a disease called Lemire's disease. Where you end up actually having a thrombus in your vein, in your neck. There's been studies that have associated that. And a thrombus so, is a clot? Yes, it's a clot okay. within your neck. Um, and the interesting thing about our patient is she didn't have it. Well, thankfully, she didn't yes. have it. Um, so that kind of made us question, why is this the type of pneumonia she has? Mm -hmm. um, because usually the cases of the Lumeris disease, uh, the patients usually have very severe throat symptoms prior mm -hmm. to their diagnosis. And she just had very nonspecific kind of viral URI symptoms or upper respiratory infection. And yeah. she had them for about two days yeah. with no real sick contacts that she mm -hmm. could tell us from her school or her friends or at home that were having mm -hmm. similar symptoms to her. So, um, so none of yeah. her vague symptoms, sort of putting them all together, none of it added up to much. But right. getting mm -hmm. this blood work back right. mm -hmm. also didn't really add up. It, yeah. it, asked, it presented mm -hmm. you with more questions right. about what was going on, right? Especially mm -hmm. since the blood work that she had done was done at an outside hospital. Mm -hmm. So when she first came into uh, upstate and was admitted to the pediatric ICU, we didn't have the results for, I would say, the first one or two days of mm -hmm. her being admitted. So this kind of came in as it was evolving as we right. were working on the case. And because of kind of, this was also happening at a time when vaping really had a spike. Oh, yeah. It was happening last year during the summer of 2019. Um, so we, even when mm -hmm. we would come in and talk to the patient, that was kind of on our high suspicion mm -hmm. of, is she vaping? Is this something vaping associated? Um, and we, we did have that suspicion. But then when we kind of got mm -hmm. those results, we were posed with more questions right. of, well, how is this happening? Mm -hmm. And could we explain all of this because of the vape? Sounds like the yeah. TV yeah. show House. Oh, kind yeah. Of history, yeah. Kind of. yeah. Let me remind listeners, this is Upstate's HealthLink on Air. I'm your host, Amber Smith, and I'm talking with fourth-year medical students Michelle Gorbanisov and Kia MacArthur about a paper they had published in the journal Pediatrics. Now, the paper, uh, the, head, the headline or the mm -hmm. title of it says severe anaerobic necrotizing pneumonia, mm -hmm. which is a mouthful. So yes. what, what, is all, what do all of those words mean? 
Sure. I mean, pneumonia is a lung infection, right? right? Mm -hmm. yep. Okay. Yep. So anaerobic just means that the bacteria causing the infection doesn't require air to essentially survive. So the necrotizing aspect of it, if you put it all together, is our patient had a very severe lung infection that was essentially causing an abscess in her lung, and this bacteria was just kind of just mm -hmm. sitting there growing and just creating a huge mess essentially yes. in her in her right lung, I believe. And the interesting thing about abscesses is they're actually kind of hard to um, treat mm -hmm. because they kind of get a little bit closed off in the lung. Mm -hmm. So that's another thing. So it kind of go, gets closed off and the necrotizing part of it is the tissue starts to die mm -hmm. within. And with her, it wasn't just associated with a, one part of her lung. She actually had it in multiple well, parts mm -hmm. of her lung. Well, if her lung tissue starts dying, it's mm -hmm. not going to grow back, is it? So it, it depends. That's a little bit of a complicated question yeah, to answer. No. I think, I think on one part is she is very young, mm -hmm. otherwise um, healthy, otherwise yeah. healthy, um, 15 year old female. Um, so when the tissue does start to die, there is a chance that there is scarring. Mm -hmm. So the way that it, um, it won't regenerate, it's going to get fibrotic potentially. Mm -hmm. Um, but you don't really know is all of it dying, it's some of it dying. That's, I don't think you can tell that from like a CT scan, but there's mm -hmm. a chance that um, down the line that she will have parts of her lungs that are fibrotic. Yeah. So and lasting permanent damage. Yes, yes, potentially. Wow. So what ended up happening with this young woman? Mm -hmm. So she ended up being, um, I believe, in the hospital for a total of 10 days, um, about one week in the pediatric ICU. And when we went to go see her during that first week, she had a lot of trouble breathing. Luckily, she didn't need any form of an intubation, which is awesome, just some supplemental oxygen. And once she went out of the ICU, she went to the regu uh, regular inpatient uh, unit here. And then she subsequently went home, I believe, after about 10 days. And then, But she needed to complete about three weeks of IV antibiotics at home, so mm -hmm. one month total of antibiotics. So she went home what we call PICC line. So it's an IV that gets put in usually in the arm, and then it's... Uh, it goes all the way up into mm -hmm. the heart. So she had that in for about three weeks and she got very, what we call intense, broad spectrum antibiotics, mm -hmm. kind of what the ID docs call big guns to really see how much they can penetrate up this abscess. Cause like Michelle right. mentioned, the abscess is very walled off. It kind of creates its own little barrier to treatment. So she needed- So it makes it yeah. harder to kind of get to the bacteria yeah. that's actually inside that abscess. So she went home with that pick line, and uh, we were traveling for um, interviews and whatnot, right. but she did follow up with the infectious disease clinic mm -hmm. about one month after this whole thing, and they said that she was still having some trouble with breathing, not really able to climb up a flight of wow. stairs without mm -hmm. any shortness of breath, And but luckily she is no longer vaping. Right. Um, she had not smoking any cigarettes of any kind, um, so she's kind of on the mend, and we'll see what happens mm -hmm. So is the, the theory line. that she inhaled this bacteria mm -hmm. through mm -hmm. her vaping device? Um, so that is a theory mm -hmm. that we have that potentially it was within the vape that she could have had the bacteria. The, but, the liquid that uh, goes in. Yes, either the liquid, because the liquid's also heated, and so you don't know, I don't know if mm -hmm. we can say where it was, um, mm -hmm. but that is a theory. The other thing is um, we have a lot of bacteria that kind of live in our mouth and our throat, mm -hmm. and the other theory we proposed was that actually the vape is causing a lot of irritation, chronic irritation coming in your mouth, in your throat, mm -hmm. potentially all the way into your lungs. So you are 
breaking down that barrier that exists there. Mm -hmm. And therefore, you can start getting other bacteria that you wouldn't normally get going all the way down to your lungs. And because you have this chronic irritation, it makes it harder for your body to kind of mend it and to help. So you get this kind of sudden drop in like immunity and potentially Mm -hmm. could have affected why she got this severe necrotizing pneumonia Mm -hmm. so quickly. So how does this relate to the vaping associated lung injury that we've heard about? Is it, I mean, could some of those cases be the same thing as this, Buzz? Um, So about, I think we'd have to separate it from um, patients that have known bacterial infections. Mm -hmm. That's the other thing. Mm -hmm. So like some of them, some of these cases, you don't have any bacteria associated with it. And it's actually stuff in the vape. For example, the mm-hmm. flavoring, they've also found that vitamin E acetate mm-hmm. has known to irritate your alveoli and therefore predisposes you to this lung injury. So I think those cases are a little bit different. And I don't think you can place it mm-hmm. in the same group. But potentially, could you be inhaling bacteria from the vape? Could the vape be irritating your whole oropharynx and your lungs and therefore exposing you to bacteria you already have? Potentially. So from this study, Mm -hmm. um, do you draw any conclusions in terms of what can we learn? What Mm -hmm. can we take from this study that could help other people? Mm -hmm. I would say that this case kind of adds to the spectrum of what we're seeing in regards to lung injury and complications of vaping. I think um, we can't say it's necessarily the same or very similar to what we've seen in the past, but it definitely just adds to the narrative of We're seeing these, uh, particularly young people in the country, vaping, and these are a potential complication that's Mm -hmm. very severe. Um, We've had um, our case, fortunately, our patient was able to go home. Um, She's doing well as far as we know, but there have been deaths associated Mm -hmm. with vaping um, with the previous cases. So I think it just adds to the narrative, the story, and just tells people like, hey, we we shouldn't be vaping. We need to have more regulation on products that you're selling to people mm-hmm. and just kind of giving an additional thing that could happen. The other thing is this is a 15-year-old teenager. And a lot, if you look at what the CDC has talked about and the data they have gotten since like February of mm-hmm. 2020, a lot more young adults mm-hmm. are affected by this than older populations mm-hmm. and especially teenagers. So I think this adds, this study along with many others adds to the fact that we really need regulation at the level of the people that are most vulnerable, which is mm-hmm. teenagers and young adults who are vaping, who are using e-cigarettes, and may not be always aware or think that they're the ones that are going to get this. Well, thank you to Upstate fourth-year medical students Michelle Gorbanasov and Kia MacArthur. I'm Amber Smith for Upstate's podcast and talk show, HealthLink on Air.